schools, no public schools, no discussing problems, had given way like spider webs. Thrilled as she was to have her renegade uncle fetch her from school like a common babysitter, Joey knew slippage when she saw it. Bryce was her mother's kid brother. He was twenty-eight and had already burned through his inheritance more than a million dollars. Joey's father, in rare good humor on the subject, said that it was breathtaking and almost admirable how Bryce, in an attempt to recoup the initial heart-stopping losses, had managed to obtain and lose trust money he wasn't even due to receive until he was thirty-five. Bryce was six foot four, with dark gold hair, overly tanned skin, and a nose he referred to as the big old hook. Joey loved him thoroughly and irrationally, and planned to marry him the moment she turned twenty-one and came into her own trust fund. She'd heard there were states in the Deep South where uncle and niece might wed. Joey dreamed of restoring Bryce to the lifestyle and financial bracket where he rightfully belonged, although she also imagined dispatching her money with the same profligacy with which he'd already flown through his, if only for the sheer, exhilarating blur of it. Clutching her flat typing manual against her chest, too smitten to speak, Joey climbed into the tobacco-scented cab of the rare Studebaker, and Bryce drove them to the Bellwood Hotel for lunch. Joey's parents' best friends, Cal and Peggy Sharp, owned the Bellwood. Cal had inherited it from his father, and did what he could to keep it running in a town where the Sheraton, Hilton, and Doubletree had cornered the convention trade. Cal shut down two floors, rented residential suites to wealthy widows, booked offbeat conventions, rare books dealers, grandfather clock collectors, and housed two private clubs. The downtown club, where membership could be purchased, and the more exclusive, invitation-only Mojave Club. Joey's father, Frank Hawthorne, was on the board of the Mojave Club, and the Hawthorns used the Bellwood as their second residence. Whenever Millicent called in the painters at home—she did that a lot—the Hawthorns moved en masse to the Bellwood's penthouse. And until their large, architecturally significant but deeply flawed glass-and-concrete foothill home had air conditioning installed— the family sought refuge in those refrigerated rooms during heat waves. Frank and Millicent Hawthorne were both famous for their tempers. Each time one or the other stormed out of the house, Joey and her two brothers knew where to find them. The July day Bryce drove Joey to the Bellwood, it was a hundred degrees out, dry and bright, and as still as glass. Bryce was not a member of the Mojave Club. He never could have managed dues, even if he'd finagled an invitation. But with Joey trotting alongside, he headed straight into the Mojave dining room, with its filigreed columns and mahogany wainscoting. The tables were padded and double-clothed, the sterling polished, the water glasses heavy. Huffy, the Mojave's maitre d', glided toward them on the diagonal in an attempt to steer Bryce toward a middle table— but Bryce sailed past to claim a coveted window booth. Since returning from his four-year international spending spree last January, Bryce had worked for Cal Sharp, who also owned the Leicester Apartments on Avalon Street, where Bryce was the resident manager and renovator. 
The Leicester had seen better days, and Bryce's job was to reverse its course. Joey's father referred to the four-story faux chateau as the ever-listing Leicester. Hello there, Bryce, he'd greet his brother-in-law. How's life at the ever-listing Leicester? The waiter brought Bryce a beer in a V-shaped Pilsner glass and Joey a Coke in a brandy snifter, her preferred glassware of the moment. She was just beginning to wonder what she and Bryce would say to each other when she heard her name. Joey, my girl. Cal Sharp stood over her, tall and important in his silvery suit and matching hair. His wide hand cradled the back of her head. His cologne was sharp, citric and his other hand, resting on the tablecloth, was perfectly manicured, the nails pink and so smooth. You just missed March and...